Hey, everyone. Welcome to Meat Sports Alcohol for Monday, April 19th. I'm Dylan. And I'm JMO. Uh, we have a super awesome show for you today. First, we sit down and talk with Jamie Bourbonnet. She plays on the Canadian national team. Uh, she's a women's hockey player, uh, and she also plays in the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association for Montreal. Uh, she was fantastic. She was just like a total delight, super fun interview. Uh, so you're going to want to stick around for that. And then we do our ice cold takes of the week. Uh, a surprising amount of finance talk out of two guys that host a podcast called Meat Sports Alcohol. Maybe a bit out of our realm, but I'd say we, ha- we have some uh, good takes Great over takes. there. Um, and that's our show. Stick around for the interview. Stick around for ice cold takes. And take it away, chat. We now welcome on professional hockey player Jamie Bourbonnet. Uh, she plays on the Canadian national team as well as in the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association for Montreal. Uh, recent, not so recent graduate of Cornell and also alma mater of my high school, Appleby. Yeah. So it's kind of, kind of catching up a bit. How are you, Jamie? Yeah. Great. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, so my first question, this has been like, ever since we connected and planned this interview, this is kind of been my number one question for you is how are you continuing to be like the best at hockey at every level you're on because I remember in high school you were like amazing and then you went off to Cornell and you're amazing there and now you're on like the Canadian national team like how do you stay ahead of the competition at all these levels what are you doing (laughs) thank you first of all um honestly it's I wouldn't really say that I'm the best at every level I think I just have been really committed to hockey since I was young so I've never really stopped playing like at Appleby I played on two teams and then I committed to Cornell pretty young um I was 14 when I committed so kind of knew that I wanted to go there and then my career at Cornell I had a good career um we had a great team great coach so I just was able to you know to grow and develop as a hockey player and then I got noticed by the national team I played like U18 in development um throughout college and and high school in Appleby but um, I made the senior team my first time when I was a junior, I think. Mm. Wow. So, yeah, so it, it was pretty amazing. Honestly, it's like, you, I still get like, surprised, not surprised, but that's like super exciting every time I get named to a roster still, cause I'm still pretty young. Like I'm only 22 and there's some girls who are over 30 on the team and stuff. So it's, it's pretty amazing. Like it's, it's incredible, but I think I just work super hard that that's kind of the only reason I can give you is I just. I've never really stopped basically yeah when we were scheduling this interview and you were like well next weekend might be a bit difficult because I'm in training camp for the Canadian national team I was like oh my goodness like we'll find another time that's incredible I'm just I don't have anything else going on so whenever whenever you want well honestly Um, I the camps have been so different because we we're in quarantine like we're in a bubble so we're in a hotel room for a majority of the time so probably would have had time to do it but our schedule we have so many zoom calls throughout the day that I just couldn't tell you like when I'll be free but 
yeah pretty crazy yeah so do you do most of like the coaching how does that work like the majority of it happens on zoom and then you just skate together basically yeah so we have everyone has their own hotel rooms and everything and then um all of our meetings are on zoom so whether that's like medical meetings team meetings like we have coach connections which is basically like talking about tactics hockey tactics and stuff and then we get on the bus in like little groups groups of eight and go to the rink and play and then go back to our hotel room. Wow. Is the hotel like a specific for the Canadian national team? It's yeah. like all, wow. Well, when, we were in, when we were in Calgary, we had the whole hotel. Mm. Um, when we're in Halifax, the hotel's really big. So we usually just have a couple floors, um, but we're like extremely isolated. Like we don't come in contact with anyone. One thing I wanted to ask you is how's the like the group because I, I imagine, like, when you went off to Cornell, like, you're kind of in, like, the elite of hockey, or you have been for a, a while, starting on the, like, national team so young. I imagine it's kind of like the same group of women you're around. Um, when you go off to training camp, is it, like, familiar faces, like, old friends? Or is every year, is it kind of just, like, fresh people that you're running into? What's, like, the group dynamic like? That's a good question. So I, obviously, when I first made, like, or got, first got invited to a camp, um, it was basically all of my idols that were there, like <laughs> everyone that I had looked up to. So they were new faces, but I knew them because I've been following their careers my whole life. Um, so that was like, I was starstruck. Like I like didn't want to say anything because I was didn't want to embarrass myself. Like I was like on the ice, my first couple practices, I was so nervous just because I was like, these are the girls that I like have dreamt of playing with. And like, I was yeah. like, wow. like one of the girls, like Laura Fortino, she went to Cornell she was something that I, someone that I always idolized. And then she ended up like, I ended up being her D partner at one of the camps. And like, it's just like, it's really cool. Now, when I go to camps, they're all familiar faces. They're all friends of mine. Um, especially in Montreal, like 14 of us are all on the national team. So there's like quite a few familiar faces now that I've been on the team for a couple of years, but at first it was like basically all my idols were there. So it was pretty cool. Um, when you, when you first like, you know started playing with what you said your idols all these people that you idolized growing up um how did you kind of transition away from like okay these aren't my heroes these are my teammates like what was that transition like did it kind of happen naturally or did you have to continually like tell yourself okay I'm this person's teammate I'm not like I shouldn't ask for their autograph that kind of thing (laughs) well well even now like there's still some people that I'm like starstruck by like Mary she played I play with her in Montreal you've probably heard of her she's like the best women's hockey player in the Mm -hmm. world um and like she's a good friend of mine but even now like I watch her play and I'm like holy crap this girl is like amazing um my first camp like I said I was super nervous like and I honestly played so bad at practice like I was just like shaking going up the ice like I was so nervous and my coach from Cornell he actually coaches with the national team and he pulled me aside at that camp and was like I know you're nervous like I know these are like basically the girls you've been idolizing he's like but you got invited to this camp because you were good enough to be here and that kind of made me realize like yeah like these are my idols but like I'm also here because they wanted me here they they thought that I deserved to be here and that kind of changed my outlook on it so I I had a a very good actually rest of the camp and I actually made the team that year so it was like a good like switch and if he hadn't said that to me there was no chance I was making that team (laughs) that's awesome that you have that familiarity then I, I didn't realize that the coach 
that you had at Cornell is also the coach of the Canadian team. That must be great that you can like continue that relationship. Um, yeah. If it's good, if, if you don't well, like the coach. Awesome. <laughs> no, he, he like, he's a huge reason for my success, honestly, like he is amazing. And so, yeah, he's an assistant coach on the team and has been in the program for a long time. And um, he's, yeah, he's amazing. It's so nice having him there. Yeah. Was it um, when you, graduated from Cornell last year and it sounds like you're already you know with the Canadian national team um what was the decision or even was there a decision in continuing hockey um deciding to play in in the professional league continuing with the national team was it a decision at all or was it kind of like a natural progression for your career it was a natural progression I think it would have been different if I hadn't um, made any teams throughout college Mm -hmm. Uh, the fact that I went to a couple camps um, and a couple tournaments and world championships with the national team, I knew that I wanted to try to make the Olympics. So the Olympics are 2022. So honestly, the camp that I'm going to in a week is like a huge determining factor of whether or not I'm going to get centralized for that, uh, for the, for the Olympics. So um, yeah, I think it would have been different if I hadn't made any teams, but because I was kind of in the program in the top 47, I guess I just knew that that was my goal. I wanted to keep trying for the Olympics. Yeah. And can you like expand a little bit on like what the Olympic qualifying process is like for you? Like what the, the tryouts is like, you know, the steps that you have to take to eventually make it on the team? Yeah. So basically um, this year obviously has been super different super with, weird yeah yeah like it's not a normal year but I can explain kind of what's happened this year so we're all in our own hubs I guess so I've been in Montreal there's some girls in Toronto some girls in Calgary um and we've just been training together um but separately but we're in like little groups so we're all together but not um and then we had our first camp in January that was in Calgary just like getting us back on the ice for the first time together in basically a year um, and then we had another camp in March that was in Halifax, just another kind of get back on the ice. And then the camp we have in a week is called the World Selection Camp. So um, it's a week long. And then at the end of that week, we're going to have like a Zoom meeting. They're going to tell you if you made the team or if you didn't. If you make the team, you stay. If you don't, you get on a plane and go home. And then wow. World Championship starts on May 6th. So, so the camp, so if I were to make worlds, I'd be in a hotel room by myself for a month, basically, um, just playing because we have to isolate for worlds. And then after the world championships, they're going to name the centralized roster, um, which is the group of 28 girls who will move to Calgary next year. And it's basically like you're on the team, but you still have to make the Olympic roster. So those, ha those cuts happen in December. So you'll be training in Calgary from September to December. And then December, you find out if you're going to the Olympics or not. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. With all the like Zoom stuff and like you said, staying in a hotel room by yourself, like that's if you do well, you know, you continue staying in a hotel. Has it been tough to like keep your mindset, like stay focused without like any of the normal like outlets that you would maybe have like you can't go out for drinks with your team or can't go out to dinner stuff like that has it been tough to like keep your focus yeah it, it's hard honestly like camps are very stressful so the best part of camp is being able to hang out with your teammates and like you said like go to a restaurant for lunch whatever um so yeah that's been super hard but we try our best to stay connected and you know 
FaceTime and what we can do, but it definitely is challenging, but we know that it's just temporary. And obviously for the centralized group, they're all going to be together. Hopefully I will be there too, but everyone will be together in Calgary. So it's just short lived, but it, it definitely is hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Even that, like the entire process you, you described of like the, the world selection week yeah. and all of that, just doing that isolated by yourself. Like, I can't even imagine going through that just normally. Uh, but then the addition of kind of like having to isolate and not have the normal activities, it does sound just so, so difficult. Yeah. It's stressful. It is. Yeah. You can't like, you're just sitting in your hotel room, just going over all your plays on the ice. So like, did I do fine? Like, did I, am I going to make it? Like, it's like, you don't have any distraction really. So it, it's tough. Have you, have you found any kind of distraction? Like, have you gotten really into like me sports, alcohol, honestly, no, like I like this going to, I hate to admit this, but like TikTok, like I'm just on that because <laughs> I'm like, what else am I going to do? Like it's entertaining, like, but no, not really like TV. It's yeah. so hard to like go to bed, take a nap. <laughs> I don't know. What's the division like? Like, kind of as we mentioned at the top, you're you play for Montreal in the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, uh, and you're also doing all this with the national team. Um, what's it kind of like? Like your, the division of your time between those? Because uh, it sounds like you're kind of bouncing back between Montreal and back in Ontario as well. Where's like the majority of your time dedicated yeah. to? So again, like with COVID, it's been different. Um, Usually what it would be like is you're with your PWHPA team and then you play showcases. So Mm -hmm. travel around, play games against other PWHPA teams. And um, yeah, that's basically what the year is. Obviously with COVID, we haven't been able to do that. So Mm -hmm. um, we've basically just been practicing. So the way that it works in Montreal, we have two Hockey Canada practices and two PWHPA practices a week. So two of them are just with the 14 girls that are with the national team. And then the other two is with like the whole team, the 2022 girls that are on in the PWHPA. So it's like, this year has been so different, honestly, because I just graduated. I don't really know what it's like normally because this is all that I've known since I graduated. So I don't know how different it is when COVID's a thing, but that's basically what I've been doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask kind of, it's so cool pwhpa i just looked at like it was founded so recently it's like a budding organization um and i wanted to ask you kind of what it's like to be part of this organization as it's kind of like just getting its feet underneath it and and getting started but i imagine for you like with covid and everything not really maybe not even really sure yet what it's (laughs) going to operate like normally yeah so kind of to explain a little bit more what it is basically I don't know if you guys heard about um, what happened a couple of years ago 2019 I think um, our league the CWHL um, it folded basically because it wasn't sustainable um, we're really pushing hard to get a professional women's hockey league and the PWHPA is basically a league that's going to help get the exposure that we need to create that so it's kind of like not a filler league like it's definitely still a league and we're going to play games and you know get exposure to women's hockey but it's kind of just temporary so that we Mm. can get people to watch women's hockey invest in us and create a sustainable professional women's league that we can all play in as our regular jobs basically right yeah I would definitely watch women's hockey (laughs) as you're explaining that I'm like 
That sounds yeah. awesome. I just remember our games from yeah. high school and watching us just dominate everyone because like yeah. you were on the team and Amy Curler and like, a bunch of people yeah. are crazy yeah. good. Um, that's, I mean, whatever needs to happen to, to make yeah. that happen, I hope it well, does. That's the problem is like a lot of people don't have that opinion, you know, like if you see like on social media, anytime something's posted about women's hockey, you just can expect that, oh, I don't care. No one cares comments, which is like, yeah really hard because it's like well you're taking the time to comment so like obviously you're like kind of care so it's like I don't know it's tough like we're in a really tough position of trying to promote ourselves and like prove that we deserve the platform that we are requesting um it's tough a lot of people don't see us in that light that you're saying you know we're awesome we're great but we're, we're getting there well and a lot of this is pretty timely I mean it's always timely but like with the um like the NCAA women's uh, the weight room controversy as well. Like, you know, yeah. have you with that, like, did you notice um, when you were growing up, like hockey's massive in Canada um, and, you know, both for, you have the best players in the world for men and women. Did you notice that same kind of disparity growing up, like between the men's equipment and the women's equipment, like, or at Cornell, did you kind of, did a lot of that resonate with you? So speaking personally, I'm going to say no, because I went to Appleby and Cornell, which are both incredible schools and they really care about both programs. It's actually kind of funny. Like at Appleby, our dressing room is identical to the men's and it's the same at Cornell, basically just flipped on the other side. So we share a lot of the same resources, both we shared at Appleby and at Cornell. Um, mm -hmm. So I was, I've, I've been really fortunate in my career that, you know, I haven't really seen that, but I'm not saying it's not there. Obviously at most schools it's there. And I've just been lucky personally that I haven't had those differences between the men's and women's programs, but a lot of schools, um, like if you're thinking about like Ohio state, for example, I played there against the women's, their rank is not even comparable to the men. Like, it's just, really? it's not even funny. They like, play in a different rank. Oh yeah. Like it's, and it's not Why? even, <laughs> Cause that's the you way need, you need two ranks. <laughs> yeah, they, so the men's have this like beautiful arena and then the women's, you know, the women's is they love it. Like for them, like it's, it's their rank. So they obviously take pride in, in it and it's not a, a bad rank. I'm not saying that by any means, but it's definitely not even comparable to the men's, which is like very disappointing. It, is, it, is is there a difference on the ice like uh, i'm trying to think like softball versus baseball like it's a different size field with the same <laughs> then why do they have a they built it just, a second it just doesn't rank. make sense. yeah it, like, works, <laughs> it works like that at most places like boston yeah. university same thing minnesota i believe it's the same thing yeah it or, almost or it boston. seems like excessive like unnecessarily yeah. excessive yeah. that's the way it works in yeah. a lot of places but yeah, yeah. at Cornell, luckily it wasn't like that. What um, I'm, what was the hockey culture like at Cornell? Um, was it and like everyone in Canada is hockey fanatics? Like your high school sounds <laughs> like it was crazy about hockey. Uh, did you get that same kind of like fan intensity interest in from like the general school population, or was it a little bit of a switch to kind of be like, okay, not as many people in the U.S. care about hockey? Yeah. Well, it's funny. It, so in Ithaca, where Cornell is, hockey is the sport. Yeah. Like the men sell out every game. Um, you know, like in most schools in the U.S., obviously football is a big sport. At Cornell, hockey is. Yeah. So like, I love that because like that's my sport, obviously. So 
the men's for example like they got like they were like celebrities on campus almost like it was kind of annoying at some point but, <laughs> <laughs> but like we we were too you know like people loved us we definitely didn't get as much support from the student body um but the community in Ithaca like we got like we had I think it was the third highest sensitive life for fan attendance like we we had like a lot of fans like and people who supported us like would ro- like drive road trips like hours to come watch us play which was awesome and again like that's because Cornell the main sport is hockey so like I was really lucky um a lot of schools though that's not the main sport so it's tough obviously like you said in the U.S. it's like not as big as it is in Canada um but at Cornell no it's great yeah yeah and and you said um which is crazy by the way this like kind of went unnoticed when you said it before but you were recruited from for Cornell at like 14, right? I also wanted to ask you to go <laughs> back to that. Crazy. Like 14. Oh my God. So, I got um, so uh, obviously you're 14. So I, I can only imagine like what went into the decision, but was the hockey culture around Cornell, like part of that decision? Like what was kind of the driving force um, uh, in your decision to go to Cornell? Yeah, I, <laughs> It's actually kind of funny looking back on it now like I was I think I was 13 when I visited Cornell for the first time oh and my like, God. <laughs> I like loved it like it was the first school I ever visited and I pretty like pretty naive at the time for me like to say like oh I want to go here because it's the first school I ever visited but I don't regret that decision at all like I'm so happy that that's where I chose I'm like thank goodness 13 year old me was smart in that but um I think the biggest reason was because I loved the girls on the team so much. Like they, I slept over in like their dorms with them. They like got me cookies and like, I'm like this little young girl. So like, they're just like, it it was awesome. I like loved the team and I like, I loved everything about Cornell. And I told my parents right after I left that, that I wanted to commit there. And they were like, well, just hold on. (laughs) But I ended up just doing it. So I'm yeah. I I'm a little nervous though. I think that cookies, them giving you cookies, might be an NCA violation. <laughs> I know. Shoot, maybe I cut that off. You, yeah, yeah, we'll cut it in post. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, maybe don't air this. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's uh, they can. I think they can buy me cookies if the coaches bought me cookies. That wouldn't have been. That's where. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gray area. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you ever experience like any? hesitation though I mean I imagine like committing at 14 and then you have like all of high school not actually going there until you're 18 or 17 did you ever think like I don't know if this is the right school for me like I don't know if this is I'm making the right decision here um or were you kind of like fully on board with it the the whole time after you committed yeah honest to be entirely honest um I did go through a period where I was like oh my god like I just committed to a school the first school I visited like I didn't even visit other schools so I went through a period where I was like did I make the right decision and I actually told my coach that I was going to go visit other schools just to be sure Mm. especially too because Cornell's Ivy League so I wasn't sure if I was even going to get in I was like I I need to get accepted I need to be able to afford it so I was like if that falls through I need to have a backup plan basically right I actually told my coach I think when I was in grade 11 I said I'm going to go visit a couple more schools and obviously as a coach, I verbally committed to him. He probably wasn't that happy with that, but I was like, I I was 14. I was in grade nine. Like I need to, I need to make sure that I didn't just make a bad decision. I ended up visiting other schools and still was obsessed with Cornell. So it was kind of just further proved that I was confident where I wanted to go. But yeah. 
Yeah, I actually remember that, like, I haven't thought about this in forever, but I remember you and some of the other girls who had committed to schools for hockey, like, when ACTs and SATs came around, you're like, we have to, like, bring up our academic, we have to, like, get a certain grade or whatever to get into these schools. I can't imagine that level of stress at that yeah, age, too. Well, that, that's crazy. I took, I took the SAT, like, so many times just because I I got a, a decent mark on it. Like I was like, you know, this will probably get me in, but I was like, I need to be sure because I don't like, I need to get in. Like I've committed to this school. Yeah. Like I, I can't just like, yeah. oh, I'm like an application and pray. Like I was like, I have to get in. So I took it a bunch of times. It was stressful, but honestly, the, the coaches, like they have quite a bit of pull and they can help you. Like if they want you they'll help you. And that doesn't work all the time, but like, you definitely still have to, I still had to be a good student, but but it helps I mean, for sure. Um, when we were at, uh, when we were at Cal, I was always just in awe of the athletes there because like, I felt like I was drowning in schoolwork and I didn't play a D one sport. Like, what was it like being at a, you know, an Ivy league school and balancing the commitments of, um, of a D one sport. And then also like, having p- potentially like national team commitments as well. Like, how did you juggle all that? It was hard. Like there were times where I would be at like with the national team, like writing exams with a proctor in my room. Like it was, it was hard. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like it, it, there were times that it was really stressful, but um, we had times on the bus, like we would study on the bus or study on road trips and stuff. Like we made it work. It was honestly just making sure that you had good time management. And then the school does a really good job, like giving you free tutors for athletes. Um, like you could request a tutor and they'll get you someone for free. So there's a lot of good resources that I relied on, but no, it, it is hard. Like it's, it's stressful, especially for the, the students who are like in STEM and like, like I was, I studied psychology. So like, I mean, I'm not saying that it's not a major, but like definitely didn't have as much work as some of the other girls who like were constantly doing schoolwork on the bus and stuff. Yeah. Well, seriously, congratulations on graduating then. I know it was like a year ago now, but like, that's like a major, major accomplishment for balancing all that. Uh, in-person grad but I guess I'll just keep waiting for that yeah, we're, we're also in the same boat we kind of think we kind of think they just forgot about us probably it's been yeah. Yeah. Long or they're waiting for us to forget or like, yeah. 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 yeah well thanks so much for taking the time uh to talk with us and everything like this was just absolutely awesome catching up with you and then also yeah. hearing about all this um Dylan did you have any other questions you wanted to get to before we wrap up um, I think, uh, like what, what I'd, I'd love to know just like a little bit more about like, um, 10 years out, like, I, I hate this question for myself. So if you have <laughs> this question, I'm sorry, but like hot, you know, hockey is such a big part of your life. Um, do you see like 10, 20 years down the road that hockey will like, you'll always want to be related to hockey, doing something in hockey or like is there some other random profession that once you, you know, hung up the stickates for the final time, like you'd love to be like an architect or something? That's a good question. Um, or I, again, maybe a therapist. You studied psychology. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Podcast um, host. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'll profession. join you guys. People doing this 10 years now. No. Um, I, yeah. It's a good question. I obviously hockey is something that I want to continue as long as possible. Um, especially if we're going to have a league, which, um, I think we're making really good strides. I want to be a part of that. Um, and I want to, I want hockey to be my profession for as long as I can. 
Um, obviously, I'm trying to make the Olympics this year. Um, I'm probably going to try again for 2026, to, regardless of if I make it or not. Um, that's something that I really want to do. Um, but yeah, 10 years from now, like I, I've thought about it. Most people you'd ask would say that they want to be a coach. I don't think I want to be a coach. That's not something that's really interested me. I mean, I like working with kids and you know, skill development, but I don't think I could be on the bench being a coach. That's not mm -hmm. something I see myself doing, but I definitely want to be involved in sport in some way, whether or not that's hockey. Um, I don't know exactly what role I would want to go into, but definitely something in sport, I think, for sure. Totally. Totally. Well, that covers a third of our topics then. We just need to yeah. get someone for meat and alcohol. You can be our sport consultant. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. in. That's it. I know my plan now. There we yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> we locked that in. Uh, I had one more thing I wanted to ask you about, and I've been wondering about this since we graduated high school. So okay. when you... We're at Appleby. I remember this distinctly. We had you on the team, Julia Edgar, Amy Curlew. We had like a bunch of great hockey players. And in the off season, you guys would play field hockey and yeah. just absolutely destroy these other teams. <laughs> we just come and like, I'm sure people just played field hockey like casually. And then I read like the updates every week and be like, Jamie Borbin has scored 15 goals <laughs> every game. How much fun was it just dominating these other teams of field yeah. hockey when you weren't playing hockey? That's so funny that you asked me that. Yeah, I like, I love field hockey. Like, I will say, honestly, field hockey is my favorite sport, like, which is crazy because I'm wow. a hockey, professional hockey player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I love field hockey so much. It was so much fun. I actually thought about playing at Cornell as well. My coach wasn't too thrilled. What did that mean? <laughs> yeah, fair, um, fair enough. I love it. I actually played last summer. Um, I worked out with some girls on the Team Canada field hockey team and they invited me out and I played and I was like, oh my gosh, like I was not as good as them anymore, but I was like, this is awesome. Like, oh yeah, I field hockey is my favorite sport, hands down. It was so much oh, fun. That was like the Appleby for me. Gosh, yeah. just casually I, getting invited to another sport. Yeah, <laughs> like Canadian Just in your team. off time. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'll just no, go that's pretty cool. I'm lucky though, because I'm right-handed in hockey and field hockey is only right-handed stick. So like, it was very easy for me to play field hockey because it's literally the same thing. Whereas like for girls like Julia Edgar, like she's more impressive because she's a lefty and she played field hockey right and was still that good. Like really? that's more impressive. Oh than, my gosh. Yeah. Then I don't know if you ever watched some games, but there's some girls on the hockey team that are lefties. So they would flip their stick to the left. So they'd play upside down with their stick. And our coach was an Olympian. She's like hated it. She's like, this is ridiculous. Like you're not playing the game. Like you're flipping it. Like it's illegal for a hundred percent, a hundred percent illegal, but the, it's high school field hockey. So no one cares. Like but, uh, that, it's so every, every now and then like sports center will like post a clip of like LeBron James in high school. And all the yeah. comments are like, imagine getting out of algebra two and playing against LeBron James. <laughs> like imagine getting out of like Canadian history oh and going to play field hockey against future Olympians holding the stick <laughs> backwards. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so cool to hear about. Um, this is all really cool. Thank you again so much for joining us. Um, Thank you. really appreciate so the time. Anytime.
Thank you, guys. I call upon all nations to do everything they can to stop these terrorist killers. Now watch this drive. Flowers are blooming. The grass is growing. And fellas, it's time to mow your lawn. And thanks to our sponsor, Manscaped, you can trim the hedges below the belt safely and efficiently. I'm talking about ball trimmers, guys. Manscaped, the global leader in men's below-the-waist grooming, have an exclusive offer for our audience. Using the promo code MEAT to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Join the other 2 million men who trust Manscaped. They're here to make sure that your balls are smooth and smelling nice. After all, it's time for some spring cleaning. True that. I gotta say, all their products slap. I've tried every single one at this point. I tried the travel. Have you used the travel bag yet? Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. It's awesome. Dude. It's a huge yeah. upgrade from like the grocery bag I usually use to yeah, put my toothbrush in. Bag. Yeah. yeah, just like a sandwich bag, whatever the hell yeah, you have. Exactly. It's really nice. And you get all of it with the, the performance package. You get some ball deodorant. You get ball toner, lawnmower 3.0, everything you can need. Go get yourself a performance package. Use promo code MEAT. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. I gotta work in my cardanese. It's now time for our ice cold takes of the week. Haven't done this segment in a while. I feel like we needed to bring it back. Uh, Plus, I must say, just looking at our notes here, we have some pretty good takes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Some might say idiotic. Just looking at what we have. Why are beaches hot being a we'll sub bullet point? <laughs> We're going to have to sort that one out. That's not even a take. That's a question. Yeah. Good, good question at that. Um, but yeah, we have our ice cold takes of the week. Dylan, do you want to start us off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is like our bread and butter. This is like the first segment that we ever did, I think. So mm-hmm. it's good to revisit an old classic. Uh, yeah, my first one. Okay, so... Uh, I saw another article recently, and I feel like I see these articles every other month, especially in the offseason, whatever sport it is, that Russell Wilson spends a million dollars on his body every season. And I feel like there's uh, so many athletes that do. LeBron does that. Tom Brady does that. And it's always a million dollars. So my ice cold take is uh, someone should just spend $2 million on their bodies, and they would be twice as good. And why don't they do that? Why is it always capped at a million dollars? Well, I'd say, first of all, your math checks out. If you spent double the money on your body, you'd be double better the player. That was like an ask ask the analytics. Yeah, Uh, two two plus two is four minus one. That's three quick maths. Quick maths. You'd be better. Exactly. You'd be better at sports. Twice as good at whatever sport it is yeah so it just it seems like they you know people have all these numbers and analytics or whatever in professional uh sports but they haven't figured out just spend more on your body yeah if, i gotta say if i made it as much money as russell wilson or lebron james i wouldn't spend a million dollars on anything like i'd spend more i'd spend more whatever more it is like the, the minimum that's right. like a weekend vacation oh you know what on topic sports news uh alvin camara did you see he hasn't spent a single dollar of his football money like his contract money i gotta say made me not like alvin camara yeah i actually don't really like financial responsibility or like my athletes being frugal (laughs) i really want them to you know i want like odell to wear like a richard millie five hundred thousand dollar watch on 
during a game, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like my finances. Like, I don't want myself to be broke, but I want to spend a lot of money. I want to spend. I don't necessarily want my athletes like have to go broke or anything, but I definitely want them balling out. Yeah. And like saying that they're balling out. Like, I don't want them saying that they're saving money. Plus, that's kind of like a low confidence move. I feel like I want <laughs> yeah. my football guys to have confidence to be like, yeah, you, if you, financial responsibility just screams a lack of confidence in yourself, right? Plus, yes. And just to bring this back, if Alvin Kamara is not spending his football money, that's football money he's not spending on his body, on his body, his training yes, and nutrition. Exactly. Guys, exactly. short Alvin Kamara. I have Alvin Kamara in our keeper league. I might trade him. That was a nice little two for one take there too. That was good. Yeah, I agree with that. I, this was my take, but you also threw in a good supplemental take, and I like both of them. Well, it also <laughs> perfectly translates to my first ice cold take of the week. Speaking of financial responsibility here, uh, I just got my stimmy, oh, my yeah. fat stimmy. Both of them, you know, because you get if you become. I don't know how the math works out, but when you become an independent, you get them from the previous year, whatever it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and my ice cold take is we should get stimmies more often. Yeah, yeah, like, just all the time. Little, like as like an allowance. I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, just when you're a kid, you like take out the trash, you do a couple of chores, you get your 20 bucks a month, whatever allowance. Just for being a citizen that isn't the worst person, you should get a stimmy every now and then. Yeah, I some tour money. I think I think this is like, I think you just kind of described like Andrew Yang. Yeah, yeah, it's universal basic income, universal (laughs) basic allowance. Yeah, this (laughs) universal basic stimmy. But they have to be called stimmies, and they're yeah, it's like an allowance, and like it'd be kind of funny if like it came at like random intervals, you know? Oh, like like you don't know? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like you go out some weekend, you spend a bunch of money and you're like, fuck, like I definitely spent way too much money. And you open your checking account and you're like, oh, sick. My stimmy hit. It doesn't matter. I had just yeah. got two grand. Well, that definitely happened to me this weekend. I, I got to <laughs> say, I got to say the stimmy didn't go as the whatever the Treasury, the Federal Reserve, yeah. not as they planned it. However, yeah. they were like, oh, this stimmy is going to like pay for rent and get groceries. Economy. Mm-hmm. I did the opposite. Immediately, my first thought is I lost some money. Lakers versus Celtics. I took Lakers money line in the first half, as well as Kemba under two and a half three pointers. Lost money on both of those. Stimmy covered that first nice. thing it covered. First Score. thing. Yeah. And that's like the last thing they probably want you doing is yeah, just mo- throwing it to some bookie. Like, it's just like... It's just adding nothing. Yeah, they're like, what's your marginal propensity to, to sports bet? To gamble. <laughs> yeah. gamble? Is it yeah. like their calculation nice. there? Nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I learned something. Yeah, the econ talk. That was good. Uh, cool, yeah, I like that. I'm definitely down for that. Um, my next, uh, my second ice cold take, so we got, we got a couple this week, um, is that I don't think we need Uber. Uh, and I don't mm. think uber needs to exist and you know how like you always say like when you're describing some startup as like the uber for something it's like the uber for hotels or whatever uber my startup idea is no uber you just there's cars everywhere just go up to some guy and like get a ride 
just hitch rides. We should just go back to just hitching rides. Just revert back to what we had before. Yeah. Before cabs, pre-cabs. Exactly, pre-cabs. This is like, yeah. This goes back further than cars. This could be horses. Yeah. A good old horse and buggy ride. Yeah, yeah. And you just, it's, you go up and you say, where are you going? And then you say over here and you just get a ride as long as you can. (laughs) Strangers, you know, and women were saying that they feel in danger in Ubers. This is a solution. This is, this is, a, this is random people. something different. Yes. <laughs> I like the idea with the exception of, I don't know how I would describe startup ideas without Uber. Like if we stop using mm-hmm. Uber and I don't have that word in my vernacular, I can't be yeah. like, oh, that's the Uber for blank. I'll just have to like actually describe what describe the startup the idea is, which mm-hmm. I can't do. I don't yeah, know. I, can I don't know what it is. Coinbase? Yeah. No clue. Yeah, no Uber clue what that is. For Bitcoin. Uber for, Uber for Doge. Yeah. Um, do you have any Doge? I fucking wish. Dude, I, I got Doge. I got a bunch of Doge, dude. I was Really? The, yeah, I got Doge. I got Doge like, I don't know, like three, four months ago, I think. Oh my God. Uh, so it's like, I, owning, uh, it's like buying Apple stock in the 90s. Yeah. You're it's, rich. It's all over the place though. I uh <laughs> I've had I had diamond strong hands. I haven't checked in a while, but it was like I was at the gym and I was up like a thousand percent or something like that. And I was like, holy shit. And then when I got home, it was like down to 400 percent. You which couldn't is like, sell while you were at the gym. I did. Dude, I diamond strong. I'm holding on to dude, the Dude, why didn't you sell? You know what you should have done? Even uh, though you don't, I'm assuming you don't have like a broker. You should have called someone at the gym and recreated like Jared. Oh, the or whatever. Or it's like sell, sell. We gotta sell. Just just people at the gym know. Sell Doge. <laughs> you can sell and Doge then, now. When you when I hit it, just like fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just go high five people yeah. at the gym. Fucking rich. <laughs> like, dude, get this guy out of here. <laughs> Because the dude's like, put on your mask, bro. Yeah, <laughs> Damn, yeah. congratulations though. I have Bitcoin, it's down 20%. Yeah, I I just will occasionally just open my um my Robinhood app and it's just like it's just all over the place. God, but I actually get some doge. Oh. Yeah. Well, it's a little little late now. Oh yeah, see now it's short doge. It's it's kind of up. It's definitely not as up anymore. Anyway, we've had that's some stock good talk. Well, we've had some good finance talks so far in this ice cold takes with the athlete, yeah, with the financial responsibility, stimmies. St- yeah, right. Yeah. All right. So what's your, your last one? <laughs> the least financial related thing on the planet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my second and last ice cold take of the week is white people shouldn't go to the beach. Okay. I went to the beach this weekend. And first nice. of all, I did the classic white guy move. I mocked everyone at the beach that looks pale. And I was like, those people are going to get burnt as fuck. Yeah, like, yeah. like like these dumbass white people. And like, they're fucked. Uh, and then the I didn't wear sunscreen. Yeah, I yeah. laid on the beach for five hours and I am incredibly sunburned. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always, every year I forget that the sun really can, really can do, do wonders to you. Uh, it's, yeah. It's really a stupid, like, I'm not criticizing anyone. It's just a fact that it's a dumb thing to do. You go to, like, the hottest place on the beach, and you pour a bunch of, like, incredibly dehydrating drinks in your body mm-hmm. and just, and you just lay roast yourself in the sun. It doesn't make sense. We should go to, like, 
mountains or caves shaded areas yes (laughs) shady areas yes there's no shade there's no escape yeah yeah i've never been a big beach guy Uh, oh wow i disagree with you no i'm pro beach for sure i love the beach (laughs) you're saying it's a bad idea yeah i shouldn't be allowed (laughs) someone should stop me yes you should just have better decision making skills well i guess you're in the right place you're in montana no there's no beaches here there's lakes which is a similar concept yeah beaches are better speaking of beaches here's my lakes are better than beaches okay we're not having that's the dumbest we can have this conversation let's not have this conversation let's have this another time i think this is a good this is a good conversation we should do this this should be oceans are better no lakes are so are we saying beach okay let me say this first of all well i'm saying you get the whole picture i like both yeah well yeah i like Like i'll never turn down a lake day yeah totally but the lake you get so much more you can't go on a, a boat on the beach like the same way where do you you, you can know. bop around well it depends on the place like new york for example if you have a boat on the water you could literally go up and down the coast and visit different areas so if you're okay. saying that well it's the own thing you could do the same thing and like but it's where, not but boats it's not as a means of transportation it's that's that's what's fun is you get out on a boat and you're just sitting on a boat. It's basically a beach, but a boat. It's the same concept. Basically a beach, but a boat. Okay. Okay. Anyways. I didn't really follow that point. I didn't follow. I didn't actually follow it much when I said it either. Well, let me blow your mind. Also, it's something that's not going to make sense right now. Whoa, While I was at... Ex- yeah. No, sorry. Derek, While on. we were at the beach this weekend... Uh, one of my friends asked, why are beaches hot? And it blew my fucking mind. Like, why is it hotter than the rest of the land? Yeah. Do you know why? No. Is it? Well, the sun is, you get burnt at the beach. The sun is hot. The sun's hot. The ice is cold. Well, because I was thinking like warm front, you know, like cold. I don't. I don't think it's there's like a science to it, right? Isn't it colder at the beach because of the wind from the water? I don't think it's the I don't think it's actually the temperature of the air. It's just like the sun burns brighter. <laughs> Let's look it up. Why is the beach hotter? Why is the beach hot? Just look that up. Near the beach is much cooler than it is just over a small set of mountains. The sea air keeps things warmer at night and cooler during the day. It's cooler, so why do you get sunburned? Because of the sun. Why is the sun feel why hotter beach, when why beach season is so hot? Science of summer. Wait, wait, wait. So one, you're probably wearing less clothes and the clothes provide shade, so you feel more of the sun on your skin. I guess that's true. If you just like took off your shirt and went on top of your apartment building in a city, it'd probably be pretty hot. It'd feel pretty hot, yeah. Uh as sand is usually lightly colored and thus reflective, which bounces more light and thus heat back to you. Mm. Wait, but I thought it was hotter on like pavement because it's black. Because it absorbs the light. Absorbs it, yeah. But the heat, the sand. Yeah, no, you're right. I guess I think that I think the the theme there is just that the sun is hot. So it's like sun is hot. Icing is cold. (laughs) Yes, that's all I ever know. Yeah, should have told me. That song's so hard. (laughs) Do you think anyone knows what song that is? 
Yeah, well, that's what I was trying to do earlier. I feel like you didn't pick up on it when I said ice is cold. Yeah, dude, that's exactly what I did. And I got nothing from you. I, I, didn't, I didn't know what you were referencing. Yeah, that. So the sun, is hot. sun is hot. Ice, ice is, is cold. cold. That's already what I know. <laughs> I should have told them. LeBron James comes out. Yeah. Took half a Zan. 18, 18 hours till I land in Japan. Yep. Yeah, I love that song. All right. And that was our ice cold takes of the week. I remember those days I had no rice. I remember those days I had no sticks. And that was our show. Next week, we're talking with Jake Fisher. He writes for Bleacher Report. Uh, and we're going to be talking about his new book, Built to Lose. Uh, it's all about tanking in the NBA, uh, which comes out May 4th. I mean, this book, I'm, this is like a book I would genuinely read without yeah. the interview. Like, that's sick. Um, totally. I'm excited to hear about why tanking makes sense because I hate when my teams tank. Sucks. Uh, but that, that should be an awesome interview. So be sure to subscribe when you see that episode pop up next Monday. Uh, and go follow us on Instagram and Twitter at MeSportsAlk. And definitely tell your friends if you're enjoying these episodes. It really helps us out. And uh, all right, fam. Peace. Peace and love. Today is gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you By now you should have somehow realized what you gotta do I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now Because maybe